Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. We're back. We are back, Justin and Anita. Jesus 911. Yes. Friday Future show. Warfare show. Yes. yes. Hey, by the way, we've got a special guest today. We just came back from the Holy Land. Our trip was cut short because yes, of a war. It was. Mm-hmm. Because of terrorism. I'm sure you have all heard of it. And so we're going to have uh, Mark Raguth. He's going to be coming on right now. He's actually the one that led the pilgrimage or organized the pilgrimage. Mark Anivet. Mark Anivet. They're going to be mm-hmm. on any minute now. And we're going to talk about our, our trip that was cut short. I also want to just do a memorari right now because today the Muslims, uh, Hamas jihadists, have call, or the, the Palestinian Hamas terror group is calling for a Muslim worldwide day of jihad. In other words, violence. So be careful today. And let's pray the, uh, the memorari in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For all of our protection. Remember, Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, Mary that, that never was it known that anyone fled to thy protection. Implore thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left and aided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, our Mother. To thee do we come before thee, we stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear us and answer us. Amen. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Saint Joseph, Chair of Demons, pray for Saint us. Saint Michael, Saint Gabriel, Saint Raphael, pray for us. And well, we're still here in the, in the, name of the, the Father, Son, Son and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. We're here. This month is still the the month of the Most Holy Rosary. So those of you that are uh, not praying the Rosary, please pray it every day. Every day, especially now, we need to fly, you know, shoot arrows into the sky to, you know, to to avert these these sinful acts that are occurring yep. throughout the world. Acts of blasphemy, mm. acts of... Uh, uh, so here they are, Mark yes, and Yvette. Mark and Yvette, hello. They're on Jesus. Our fellow travelers. Fellow travelers. <laughs> Hi. Hey, let's talk Let's talk about the, our, our trip. Was We were going to go to the uh, the land where God walked for 33 years, uh, the Holy Land. Well, we land. actually, we did go. We but... did go, yeah. We did go. But our trip, was, our trip was cut short because of a war that was initiated by Hamas or a or an attack by Hamas and Israel has responded yes. uh, with, with self-defense proportionate measures. So you guys tell us, you guys were in contact with uh, 206 Tours the whole time, Mark and Yvette. Uh, when did you know that we had to get out of there? Uh, was it immediately that night when we got off the plane, we're in the hotel, uh, because you guys were talking back and forth to 206 Tours. When did you know it's time for us to reroute and come back home? Well, first of all, Jess, we know it's Iran that's behind all this anyway. So, yeah, um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, with all the money we gave them, by the way, that's the yeah, daddy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, timeline. I mean, when we flew in, of course, none of us knew what was going on because our phones were off. Um, there were a few people, like you said, that uh, yesterday on your show that saw some black smoke as we were flying into Tel Aviv. I did not see that. Um, I did notice, though, that uh, we were circling for 45 minutes, um, trying to figure out maybe whether they were going to land or whether they were going to, you know, divert us somewhere else or what the the, the uh, protocol was. Um, it did look hazy outside, but you know, I didn't think anything of it. I thought maybe pollution or something like that. So um, the, the unique thing, though, because we went to the Holy Land in 2014 and 17 with 206 Tours. And in 2014, they had um, some things going on in Gaza at that time in the summer. 
And some of us were debating whether we should go in October when our pilgrimage was. And we ended up going. There was one couple that didn't go with us. But uh, so it's happened before. But this time, which was unique, is Malanka, the the uh, CEO and founder of 206 Tours, um, called me a couple days before the tour. And I thought, well, she's just calling me because Jesse and Anita are going and uh, Father Dave Nix, you know, somebody... <laughs> with some clout and he wants to make sure everything goes well and but she says i'm going to give you my personal number um and she'd never done that before so i don't know if she had you know some intuition or wow. you know just didn't feel right or whatever but uh so and it came in handy because as you saw just when we were you know deciding what we were going to do we talked to her uh, multiple times um the other interesting thing when we landed um Typically, when you land in Tel Aviv there, you, you go right out to the buses out front and you go through your normal uh, passport control, baggage and things like that. They had a person, an extra person meeting us up at the mm -hmm. um, departing uh, flight right off, right off the plane. Um, and that's unusual. Um, so they were trying to get us through the airport fast. And then when we got down there, we did not hop on a bus right out front there. Uh, they took us to some hallway, back way, and we hopped on a bus in the back alley somewhere. Um, yeah, so I think that was that. For, for, for safety purposes. Yeah, we a way to go. We, as we're, we kept walking and we're going to go this way. And then we crossed uh, somewhere here and we're in this parking garage. And I thought, well, that's a little weird. Why, you know, that, that, then, you know, it's dawning on me that things are not as they should be there. Mm. Yes, I remember uh, telling Jess, we used to park right, the bus used to park right in front of the, you know, the curbside mm -hmm. and we should just get on, we we would get on there on the mm -hmm. on the bus and right. you're right. I noticed that too. So we're, we were all in I could the I could same thing. I could sense tension when we got there. I could say, and we'd all turn on our phones and our phones are all blowing up and we're getting all these messages from people around you know, yeah. for, in the United States about what's happening in Israel. But go ahead, Mark. Yeah. You know, I, I just want to mention one thing. When we were at the baggage claim I, and we were all together uh, with the tour guide, I did notice uh, a soldier, Israeli soldier with his parents grabbing them. Let's go. Let's get out of here. So they were, oh, really? they, he was, yeah. it was, I mean, he, and the, the, the mother was like, what, what's going on? You know, she, you know, she had that look of what's going on. And the father goes, and he was telling them, let's go, let's go. So I thought, okay, there's something more to this than uh, it's a little bit more urgent that yeah. we get out here too. So I was a little concerned when I saw that. So yeah, and, and even to show the extremeness of it too, um, when we were standing there with our guide Manuel, he uh, there was a lady that came up to us and said, uh, "So are you guys with a tour group?" And looked at our badges and 206. She says, "Oh, you guys are still." doing your pilgrimage, you got your driver here and everything. He says, yeah. She said, our our guide, our bus driver, our company just bailed, just didn't even show up at the oh. airport. And she goes, I don't know what to do. Um, so Manuel tried to help her a little bit and say, you know, you can call, of course, the U.S. Embassy. The tour, At that time, it wasn't as, um, you know, because it was so fluid and things were changing, but yeah. uh, said to call the Israeli uh Ministry of Tourism to see if they could get some help for them. So mm -hmm. that just shows you some tour companies just didn't want to go further from there. Our guy, yes. you know, said to us, well, this is kind of normal. You know, I don't think at that time 
they had declared war yet. I think it was, you know, shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because this was 530 in, in the evening and this started at 630 in the morning uh, when we were on the plane. I think they had because um, one of our kids sent me a text like as soon, the first thing I saw when I opened up my phone on the plane when you get it off airplane mode was, Mom, they declared war. And Israel, you guys got to get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was right. Yeah, yeah. it's right around the time we yeah. got out. Yeah. But the guy just said, hey, you know, we're going to head north. We're going to head to Nazareth. And, you know, because this is all happening in the south in Gaza um, and down towards, you know, the West Bank a little bit. So so we felt I think we felt like, uh, you know, maybe this is just a, you know, a normal skirmish. So we'll go north and it's safer there. Um Stayed in Nazareth. And I think uh, Father Nick showed us, uh, sent Jess, you and I, some pictures of all the missiles going off over Israel and, and uh, the dome protecting, you know, the missiles, uh, knocking them out of the air. So uh, that was a little frightening. But at that point, we were going to continue with our tour. And Malanka was in touch with us and, and just saying, um, you know, it's going to change hour by hour. But right now, just head north head to Nazareth, stay in your hotel um, that night, and then do your tour. And we went to the uh, Church of the Annunciation and, and uh, went up to Caesarea and uh, St- Stella Maurice. Is that Stella that? Maris. Yeah. And, Hoffa, and, Hoffa, and then, and then we, da- we danced in the Sea of Galilee. We danced. <laughs> yes, we did. Yeah. We did. <laughs> <laughs> Anita did for her birthday. <laughs> video. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, things were kind of normal because the guides kept saying, hey, we haven't heard anything that's uh, saying that we should stop the tour. Then I think it was, um, what night was it? Was that Sunday night that uh, Malanka and Danielle started saying, hey, um, we're going to give people options, you know, to if they want to stay or if they want to go home. And if I don't know if you looked at your email that you got the first one that they sent out, but that email gave the option to fly from Jordan on the 12th of October. So their assumption yeah, at that, that time yes. was we were going to we were going to continue our tour through Sea of Galilee for the three days, go into Jordan like we normally were going to on the tour. And then fly out of there, not go down to Bethlehem or Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first email. And Malaka said, hey, you know, if people want to leave, you got to let us know pretty soon because we're trying to set up airfare and so forth. Then I think 45 minutes later, 30 minutes later, get another email from Malaka and Danielle saying, uh, yeah, you still have option one because we can't force you to, to go home. Um, but option two now is we're leaving the next day, or we're going to try to get everybody out the 10th, 11th, and 12th, you know, depending on availability of flights, and we're going to go through Jordan. So that was that last day that you guys were talking about uh, on the boat. and Mark, hold on. that thought. I want to keep you guys on for another segment. we uh, got a holy pause, Our Lady. Yeah. So hold on. We'll uh, we'll bring you back. We've got a quick commercial. And uh, we also want to pay a short little clip of President Trump. It's a one-minute clip. Where he talks to the Saudi to the Islamic leaders, but we want to keep keep you guys on. Don't go anywhere. Jesus nine one one. Stay with us, family.
coolest bumper music on Catholic radio. Yeah, Our Lady, and today's her feast day, Our Lady of Fatima. Yes. October 13th. And I just want to give a shout out to my son, Joshua. It's his birthday. Happy birthday, my son. I love yeah, you. And also remember today, uh, just be vigilant today and be prayerful. Make sure you're in a state of grace. There's a global jihad that's been uh, called for by the Palestinian Hamas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just, you know, anywhere uh, in public, just be be kind of cautious, be know vigilant. your surroundings, be vigilant, be mm-hmm. prayerful, and be in a state of grace. Mm-hmm. Mark Yvette, I want, I want to just play a one-minute clip from Donald Trump. He gave one of the most inspirational speeches when he was president mm-hmm. over in, in uh, the Arab nations. Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip? There can be no coexistence with this violence. There can be no tolerating it, no accepting it, no excusing it, and no ignoring it. Every time a terrorist murders an innocent person and falsely invokes the name of God, it should be an insult to every person of faith. Terrorists do not worship God. They worship death. If we do not act against this organized terror, then we know what will happen and what will be the end result. Terrorism's devastation of life will continue to spread. Peaceful societies will become engulfed by violence and the futures of many generations will be sadly squandered. If we do not stand in uniform condemnation of this killing, then not only will we be judged by our people, not only will we be judged by history, but we will be judged by God. Wow. wow. We're lacking that leadership yep. right now. Yeah, we We've got sure Mark are. and Yvette, good sure. friends of ours that live out here in, uh, in Queen Creek, Arizona, uh, fellow Catholics. We went to them with them and and, and, 50... and they were the organizers of this uh, trip and yeah. it was just going to be a wonderful trip i was ready for it and um and wow. our, our trip got cut, cut short, short by uh by an attack by the palestinian hamas terror group so mark tell us uh, you're kind of walking us through the timeline of what happened and and the information that you are receiving you're back and forth with uh 206 tours which by the way i was very impressed with them yes me too uh, extremely professional tour company because yes. i did see other people that there i was talking to their tour companies abandoned them Ab- said hey figure out how you're going to get back to the united states yes. we're out of here we even just talked to a fellow catholic here that goes to jesse's men's group his sister it just started flying out they were they were scheduled to leave on saturday and they were stuck until a day ago Wow. Yes, and their, their tour company was just scrambling, not knowing what to do. Where do we, you know, should we go? The, some of the, the people were saying, well, I can't go. I don't have enough money. Oh, it was just, it was chaotic for them. But I'll tell you why I felt I, safe. I felt bad for Number them. one, we had two Catholic priests. Yes. Okay. And so I told both of them, I said, hey, if something happens, general absolution, they go, yeah, got it, got it. So they, they were ready to they were ready to fire away, if, if you know what I mean, you know. Yeah. They were ready to send us off to heaven. So, yeah. I, I, so, so spiritually, I, we yeah. felt secure. Yeah, spiritually. Yeah. Um, and then I just I just had kind of a sense that because, again, we were with a bunch of serious Catholics and people were very prayerful. I, I, and, and also, I felt very secure with 206 Tours. You could yes. tell that they were They're right very... on it, you know, minute by minute with the, probably the yep. maybe the Israeli embassy. But uh, they were giving us accurate information. So 
We just, yeah. uh, you know. And thank you, Mark and Yvette, for. Yeah, you for know, your leadership. For your leadership and the organization that you had. Yeah. You guys were very well organized. And, you know, we felt comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. Tell us. Keep, keep walking. Yeah. The timeline. Yeah. Um, the other thing with 206 Tours, she told me just the other day that they're working to get other pilgrims out from other companies helping. Uh, and she said, if you need know anybody that needs help, let her know. So oh, that's that shows you what, what type of company that is. Yeah, they're it's not fun, just in funny. for themselves. They want to protect other people too. You know, they're they're good Catholics and that's what, what we should do for one another. Yeah. And it's funny you say that. I you know, this this uh uh, the the men's group that the the gentleman that's in Jesse's men's group that sister that was stuck there I said why don't you call two hundred six I gave him the phone or I gave yeah. Danielle's uh, email I said why don't you call them see if they can help you so um, uh, whether she called them or not the next thing we knew is that she said oh they got us flights so they're oh, good, good company yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Go, going back to the timeline you know so we we ate dinner that night. And and that's when Milanka called me and said, hey, we're going to send these emails out. And then she called 45 minutes later and said, no, we're going to get you out on, you know, tomorrow night or the next night. And so what we decided to do um, as as a leadership group, you know, Father Nick's, Father Craig Friedley, Jess and myself, we sat down and talked and said, how do we approach this? And I think the thing that really tipped it over to say, hey, we got to go home, is when they gave us the last email and said, hey, I can guarantee and assure that you're going to get out to Jordan if you go tomorrow night, stay in the hotel, get you out the next couple days. If you continue your pilgrimage, I can't guarantee you're going to get home. Um, I can't, I might not be able to help you. And that, that um, was the game changer. But, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I remember Jess, you sitting there in that meeting and made sure she said it two or three times so that we understood that's what she meant, um, that you would have to you know, figure it out on your own U.S. embassy or whatever um, if you did not take this offer. So what we just, you know, Jess said, we got to go home. And Father Craig, you know, being military, wanted to go home, too, because he's a target. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, so we, so we had a meeting with all the pilgrims and, uh, got them out of bed. Some of them out of the shower and things like that. Called the meeting, went downstairs, explained the situation to them, still gave them the option. You know, there was some pushback from a few people trying to understand what was going on. And, uh, some people were considering staying, I guess, um, and then I remember Jesse, you again said, Hey, we all in this together. We're a team. We came as a team. We came as a group. We're going to leave as a group. And that was, I think, changed the minds of a couple of people that wanted to stay. Um, so that, that was the decision. And then we again finished our day the next day, see Galilee. And then uh, later that afternoon, drove over to Amman, Jordan. That was, that was an experience going through the border. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I understand right now. They're, they're, I'm sure they sense urgency within their borders because they're hearing the same thing we were hearing, probably more. And they had to be super vigilant because they didn't want, I'm sure, no terrorists to come across their border. So uh, I get it, and uh, yeah, it was an experience. Yeah. You know, it's like going through the airport again. You know. Uh, going crossing the border, but you know, I, I, I get, I get, I get the why they are, 
they um, we went through in that method or that fashion. I don't know if that's ever happened before with other people on a normal day without any insurrection that's that's happening in israel but something yeah. else that happened in the airport the the, the 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 couples that were kind of pushing back that wanted to stay they said hey uh good call good call <laughs> i'm glad you put your foot down uh yeah you know, we always uh, try to offer a uh like a family experience when we put together a pilgrimage and um but we never have offered martyrdom before so yeah, we were right. trying to avoid that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i think it brought this group together a lot a lot more than you, all of our other yeah. groups do in, in even a short period of time. And a bigger group yes. than we've ever had before. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, the other thing Malanka mentioned on that that phone call too, she said they they had a group in Jerusalem that uh, w- was there for the last two days, stuck in their hotel, and they were trying to get them mm-hmm. out too. You know, so that you know, and I don't know if you if you talked to the the one pilgrim from California that came a day early. Um. They stayed in the Tel Aviv hotel, and they're the ones that had the bomb go off about ten miles from their hotel and woke them up. And they the alarm, you know, of course the sirens went off, and they all went down in the basement for ten or fifteen minutes. And they still wanted to go on the pilgrimage, which was amazing after going through that. Experience. Wow, that is that is amazing. Yeah. I remember Father Craig saying, "You know, I I heard I was in the hotel. I heard all the bombs going off. That's what he yeah. said. The rockets." Yeah. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he, he was there a day before us, right? Yeah, he was right. probably there with that other couple. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, same place. Well, Mark, Yvette, we want to thank you guys for organizing this pilgrimage. I'm sure there yes, will be many guys... more before we uh, before yeah. the Lord calls us home and our heart stops one at a time. Well, but we're going to uh... do part two. Part two, <laughs> we got to finish it. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it was getting good. It was know, getting, especially especially get... the dancing in the Sea of Galilee. Then all of a sudden it, got, it gets cut short. <laughs> well, we got to celebrate my birthday, right? Yeah. That was our yeah. birthday, my birthday party. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so let's celebrate right life, you know. Let, let, let's close up with an Ave Maria to, uh, for uh, today's uh, Our Lady of Fatima's uh, feast day. Today, we don't consider it the global day of jihad. It's Our no, Lady of Fatima. Fatima. Yes. So let's all four uh, close this uh, segment with uh, with an Ave Maria. In nomine Patris et Filii Spiritus Sanctus. Ave Maria, Gratia Plena, Dominus Teca, Benedicta Tui Muleribus Septimus, Benedictus Fructus Ventris Tui Iesu, Santa Maria, Mater Dei, Ora Pro Nobis Peccatoribus, Ed in Mortem, Artis Nostre, Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii Spiritus Sanctus. And Lord, bring all the the pilgrims that are over over in uh, the Holy Land. Bring them back home safely. Yes. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, well, thanks, guys. We'll have to do this again. <laughs> yes. Uh, another trip. Yeah. Another right. trip. Not so exciting, please. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try to keep it a little more calm. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we want a boring right. trip. You we want a boring, boring trip, trip. Next time. You guys have a wonderful day. Yeah, God right, bless, God bless you, you guys. Okay, okay we'll bye-bye. Talk to you soon. You guys. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, that was our exciting trip to uh, cut short. Yes. On the next segment, we're going to talk about something that you've probably never heard on Catholic radio. How did Islam start? Hmm. Yes, that's going to be interesting. Here's a teaser. Muhammad, the founder of Islam, went to a cave and he encountered a demon. Did you know that? In the cave of Hira. So that's what we're going to be talking yes. about the next segment. So stay tuned, family. Stay with us on the other side. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a short version and we'll break it down. 
Muhammad, uh, if you look at his life, Jesus says, by their, by their fruits, you will know them. So what are the fruits of the of, of what who Islam calls the prophet Muhammad? He's not a prophet for us. What are the fruits of Muhammad? Death, destruction, violence, lust. Uh, in, indeed, and we're going to see in the next two segments, mm -hmm. he himself confessed and he believed that he was visited and tormented by a jinn. Jinn in Arabic is a demon. Mm -hmm. And his wife Khadija, his oldest, one of his one of his wives, twenty yeah, wives. She was older than him. Yep. She He's... convinced him that no, it was not a demon. It was the angel Gabriel. Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, stay with us. Because so, we're gonna see it when the angel Gabriel the angel appears Gabriel to somebody. Gabriel that appeared to Mary. Tell you that much. Yeah, because when the angel Gabriel appears to somebody, he doesn't choke them. Yes. <laughs> We'll talk about that yeah. in the next segment. <laughs> All right, Jesus nine one one. Stick around. Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. So tenderly you hold us in your arms. Your beauty and your grace are the bright new dawn. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. So let's talk about how Islam was started, since Islam is all over the news right now. Islam was started right around the 7th century by Muhammad. Muhammad was a simple camel driver. He was an educated, he was illiterate. But uh, just like uh, Joseph Smith, who went off into the woods and received, according to him, a revelation from an angel, Muhammad, his was more occultic. Mm -hmm. He went into a cave called Hira. Mm -hmm. And there he received the revelation from a jinn. So, Muhammad had visitations and he conversed with a spirit that identified himself is it, you know identify himself like transgenders yeah. as self a, a, a demon <laughs> a demon who identified himself as Gabriel. As Gabriel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But contrary to biblical teaching, the scriptures verify opposing narratives, which states that once or twice in the lifetime of a saint, that the angels contacted them in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay, doesn't happen like all the time, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like Muhammad was claiming that he was constantly being visited by Gabriel, mm -hmm. or this the angel that self-identified mm -hmm. as Gabriel. Mm -hmm. To the contrary. We know that in, in, uh, in the indigenous pagan religions called shamanism, shamanism is basically mm -hmm. a witch doctor, a tribal medicine mm -hmm. man. In, in shamanism, we know that, that there's a, a lot of people that practice these, uh, th these pagan arts that they'll be visited a number of times by the spirits that they're trying to contact. Uh, and, uh, and, and these spirits... Oftentimes, you know, give them power and will also possess them mm -hmm. in, in these in these tribal shamanism. Well, Muhammad followed the way, not of a, of a of a monotheistic believer, but of a shaman, of a medicine man. He didn't follow the way of the biblical prophets and saints. Muhammad was reared. Most people don't know this. In the chief pagan centers of ancient Arabia. 
This pagan background inevitably made him susceptible to demonic influence. Why do I say that? Muhammad's father was named after the moon god. Who's the moon god? That's a demon. And they call the moon god in the... Guess what? Drum roll. Allah. (laughs) Drum roll. Allah. So Muhammad continued to follow this god lowercase g of his father, as well as venerate the black stone. In Muhammad's time, the Arab custom incorporated the stone cult and involved rubbing sacred stones for divine assistance. This type of shamanic practice, occultic practice, has been documented among many cultures throughout the world. For instance, uh, over in, uh, in Alaska, amongst the Eskimos, they would initiate themselves and isolate themselves in a lonely place and there rub two stones together while waiting for some significant event to occur. Mm -hmm. So this is an occultic practice, Mm -hmm. rubbing stones together, and this is what Muhammad was into. Yes, he was. And, uh, you know, what does the dictionary um, uh, say about shamans? Yeah, say about the shamans. It says uh, they, they define it as especially among certain tribal peoples in a person who acts as the intermediary between the natural and supernatural worlds, using magic to cure illness, foretell the future, control spiritual forces, etc., etc. A tribal medicine man. That's who a shaman is. Yeah. So just in case you're not sure what that is. Exactly. So mm-hmm. it was common for the mm-hmm. for the person that was practicing the shaman the shaman occult mm-hmm. to initiate rubbing stones all through the summer and even through s- several consecutive summers until the time comes when he obtains his helping spirits. Mm, who are the <clears throat> De- helping spirits? Demons. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. So it's quite likely that the young Muhammad practiced a similar feat to obtain a special guardian spirit. Mm. And throughout his life, he touched and venerated the black stone of the moon god, Allah. Mm. Well, once again, Muhammad pursued the lineage of the shamans by following their agenda. Mm-hmm. Another technique in shamanism for obtaining a guardian spirit involves location. The best way to acquire a guardian spirit is in a remote place or wilderness. The location may be a cave, the top of a mountain, or a tall waterfall, or an isolated trail at night. Repetitively, the cave had been used in the initiation of Australian medicine men, the Melakula shamans, the Smith Sound Eskimo, and the Araucanian shamans of Chile and North American Indians. So all these, all these, all are, these tribes mm-hmm. practice going into caves and contacting right. spirits. Yes. Yes. So around the world, many other tribes utilize caves to summon, summon up apparitions so what are those apparitions demons demons yeah in north america candidates withdraw to mountain caves or solitary places and seek by intense concentration to obtain the visions that can alone determine a shamanic career on occasions the biblical prophets withdrew to solitary places but the cave occurrences persisted persisted predominantly in the shamanic initiation to entreat and converse with the spirit world. So spending Mm. many days in caves, Mm. an attempt to contact his guardian spirit, who identified Mm -hmm. as as Gabriel, was not Gabriel, and you will see why, 
Muhammad eventually achieved his first revelation. Muhammad's young wife, Aisha, narrated as recorded in the Hadith. Here's what she wrote. And then the want of seclusion became beloved to him, to Muhammad. He used to seclude in the cave of Hira to worship for many days and nights before going to see his family and take provision for that. Then he would come back to his wife, Khadijah, to take his food likewise again till suddenly the truth descended upon him while he was in the cave of Hira. Close quote. So, and Aisha also continued the famous account of Muhammad's first revelation. Here's what she said. She said, the angel came to him and asked him to read. The prophet added, I do not know how to read. So Muhammad so admits, says, yeah. He admits that he's illiterate. He yeah. doesn't know how to read. The angel caught me forcefully and pressed me so hard that I could not bear it anymore. This is Muhammad talking. He then released me and again asked me to read. And I replied, I do not know how to read. Thereupon, he caught me again and pressed me a second time till I could not bear it anymore. This is the demon hmm. pressing on, on, on Muhammad. Like giving him a bear hug yeah. and squeezing him. Squeezing him. him and, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he then released me and again asked me to read. But again, I replied, I do not know how to read or what shall I read? Then he caught me for the third time and pressed me and then released me and said, Read in the name of your Lord, who has created man from a clot. Read, and your Lord is the most generous. I guess they found in, that's in Sirach, right? 96, 1, 2, and 3? Uh, no, that's Sirach? in the Quran. Oh, oh, that's in the Quran. That's yeah. what it means. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, Sirah, Sirah, right? Is it good no, the Quran. The Quran. Then Al Allah's apostle returned back with his heart trembling. He came to Khadijah and said, cover me, cover me. They covered him till his fear was over. So there's the nar narrative yep. written by, by uh, well, I guess Muhammad recounts this. He can't write. He couldn't write. So mm -hmm. Aisha wrote this for him and her encounter with the demon, his encounter with the demon. The demon gives him a bear hug three times. Yeah, pressing him, hurting him. Hurting him. Yeah, read, 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 forcing him to read. And then he runs home to Khadijah, mm -hmm. and she, she, the, the oldest wife, uh -huh. and she kind of comforts him. Mm -hmm. The way wives know how to comfort men. I mean, mm -hmm. come on, let's just be honest. Yeah. Tabari, the Islamic historian, claims two different te terminologies were used in Arabic for the angel pressing Muhammad. He interprets the word... Gamahu, as he afflicted or grieved Muhammad. Mm. And Gatani, of the previous account, he pressed him tightly until I was nearly stifled. Mm. So, in the Islamic historian Tabani's modern translation, yep. the word translates into English, quote, Gabriel was violent towards mm. him. Mm -hmm. Now, my question is, the yep. angel Gabriel's never been violent towards anybody in biblical history. Right. And right. so this is interesting that he and was And he violent. appeared to Mary. He told her, what he taught? Do not be afraid. And Yeah, Zechariah. And Zechariah. Yes. So the terror-stricken Muhammad immediately thought himself to be possessed by a jinn, by a demon, or possibly a poet or a madman. Hmm. So Muhammad thought he was possessed. Mm -hmm. Muhammad was so distraught after such events after being bear hugged by a, 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 a you know violently by a demon who, who called Gabriel mm -hmm. that he would often attempt to commit suicide by jumping off a mountain or a cliff 
However, the spirit entity always intervened to stop him. Yeah, of course, mm-hmm. saying your work isn't done. Yeah, right. Yeah. The violence that was inflicted upon the initiated occurs repeatedly in the shamanic experience. Among the South American shamans, a spirit, Pasuka, appears to the candidate in the form of a warrior. The master spirit being immediately begins to strike the apprentice, a shamanic candidate. Those are, those are the ones that are, are being initiated into mm-hmm. the shamanic uh, cult. cult until he falls to the ground unconscious. When he revives his body, it is completely sore. This proves that the spirit has taken possession of him. Ultimately, whether immediately or subsequent time, the spirits of any occult art will eventually manifest or reveal themselves in a violent manner. Mohammed apparently experienced this indoctrination by his spirit guide. Yeah, this was an evil yeah. spirit that came upon Muhammad. Muhammad. Mm-hmm. He was possessed. Yeah. Immediately after such shocking spirit encounters, Muhammad would seek solace and comfort from his wife, Khadijah. That was his favorite wife. Mm-hmm. She was his elder cousin and had hired him as a traveling salesman and was impressed with his abilities in selling. Uh, we'll hold it right there. We'll keep talking about the origins of Islam and Muhammad's mm-hmm. encounter with a demon in a cave called yep. Ira. And, and practicing the, the occult. And the demon identified himself as Gabriel. It was not the angel Gabriel, I assure you. We'll be right back. Unless you understand who Allah, is, I mean Muhammad is, then you're not going to understand why there's a violent track record within Islam, mm-hmm. the Islamic religion. It goes back to the founder, mm-hmm. Muhammad, who was uh, 25. He was married to Khadija, wife number 20. She was about 40 years old. When Muhammad returned from his frightening cave experience in the cave called Hira, she had to cover him with blankets. Such as you would be, such as would be done for any patient with symptoms of shock. Looking at at, at Muhammad's encounter with this uh, spirit in this cave from a biblical biblical perspective, if the spirit in the cave reflected the nature of Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, he would have demonstrated an ambiance of assurance and comfort towards Muhammad, as was typical in the Holy Bible when Gabriel appears to people. Interestingly. Islamic sources admit that Muhammad did not know who the spirit, who the cave spirit was. It wasn't until three years later that Muhammad equated the being in this in the cave with the angel Gabriel. He wasn't sure who it was. Mm-hmm. Remember, St. Paul tells us in Galatians 1, 8, 9, if, uh, if anybody t- gives you a different gospel, even if it's an angel, reject him. Mm-hmm. Let that person be anathema. We know that an appearance of by the angel Gabriel to the prophet Daniel, mm-hmm. it contrasts the opposite of Muhammad's experience. It, it, it tells us in Daniel chapter 8, 16, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was afraid and fell upon my face. 
But he, the angel Gabriel, touched me and set me upright. Notice the gentleness. Yeah, he touched him. Yes. He didn't strangle him. <laughs> or bear hug him. Punch him or bear hug him and yeah. made him call, <laughs> yeah. call uncle. Yeah, call uncle, right. <laughs> yeah. So oh, uh, well, there's other uh, apparitions of the angel Gabriel yeah, as right. well. So Gabriel also visited Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary was greatly distressed and uncertain what kind of messenger or personage appeared before her Gabriel simply said to her fear not Mary for thou hast found favor with God so you can find that scripture in Luke uh, Luke chapter 1 verse 30 likewise he also appeared to Zechariah the father of John the baptizer and he told what did he tell Zechariah the same thing fear not Zechariah for thy prayer is heard so in these stories you find in the Bible the angel Gabriel, God's mm-hmm. messenger, mm-hmm. he immediately alleviates the fear and he gives reassurance when he appears to somebody. Mm-hmm. But yes. apparently at the cave Hira, this uh, this phantom <laughs> that violently assaulted Muhammad left him in great distress and did not have the same posture as the real Gabriel of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Muhammad was in complete shock from this horrific confrontation with this imposter entity, because we know it's a demon. Demon, yeah. The spirit pretended to be the angel Gabriel, yet it was, in, it was in fact Muhammad's personal guardian demon guide. Mm-hmm. This diabolic monstrosity was conjured by dabbling into the rituals of occult paganism that we call shamanism. Mm-hmm. So Muhammad often experienced epilept- epileptic-type seizures. I think those are manifestations. That's a, it looks the same <laughs> way, great, it's yep. the same. whereby he went into a catatonic state of mind. His symptoms included the following, collapsing to the ground, intense pains, sweating profusely, trembles and shakes, feverishness, turning red in the face, falling into a trance state. I think we've seen this before, haven't we? Yeah, we have. And those that have been... Diabolically uh, afflicted. afflicted. Absolutely, mm-hmm. we've seen this. Yes. According to one account from the Hadith, he was sweating so much that the drops of sweat were dropping like pearls, though it was a cold winter day. Mm. Sometimes a revelation would come to him in the form of a man or in dreams. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, he was definitely uh, diabolically possessed. possessed. Yep. Mm-hmm. A parallel may be demonstrated from the Vogel. Uh, says the future shaman exhibits exceptional traits from adolescence. He very early becomes nervous and is sometimes even subject to epileptic seizures, which are mm-hmm. interpreted as meetings with the gods. Mm-hmm. Mm. In North America, among the among the Tlingit, the candidate shaman's first possession is manifested by a trance that prostrates him. Mm-hmm. In the Bible, there are, were some occasions referring to prophets falling into a trance or deep sleep. However, their their constitutions did not reflect the absurd, insane, insane behavior of mad men under the influence of demonic possession. Muhammad experienced an occult form of trance. All his encounters with the phantom ex- exactly matched the initiation patterns of a future shaman and his familiar spirit guide. Since a young boy, Muhammad had been schooled orally in the pagan rituals of Arabia, further rooted in ancient Babylonian astrological rites. Muhammad was illiterate, 
Thereby he was unable to read for himself the holy canon, which was available during his time and location. What's the holy canon? The scriptures. That, the scriptures, right. Our book. Our, so he was, an, he was an unable to read it. Yeah. So he had to ask people, what does it say? say? Right. So, hmm? so he's asking the wrong people. Exactly. <laughs> Muhammad relied upon oral le legends and interpretations circulated by peddlers of various cults and religions. There you go. That's who he asked to interpret because he couldn't read. See, that's very important for you to, to all read. If you young people are listening, reading is so important. Yes. From stone fetishes to classic spiritism, the occult connection has been irrefutably demonstrated in the life of the prophet Muhammad. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ says, wow. by their fruits, you will know them. Mm -hmm. So we know that he was initially contacted by a demon mm -hmm. and he received the mantle of prophet by a demon in a yes. cave called Hira. Now, let's take a look at the things that he taught that are written in the Quran. Mm -hmm. And you tell me if this is a prophet of God. We're going to give you 20 commandments of Muhammad, the founder of Islam. Commandment number one. And you tell me if this comes from the angel Gabriel as a messenger, making him a prophet of God. Yeah. Number one, the Quran says in, in, uh, in Quran chapter 65, verse four, thou shalt rape, marry and divorce prepubescent girls. Number two. Number two, it says thou shall have sex slaves and work slaves. And that's in the Number, Quran. It's all over the Quran. Yeah, right. Number three, thou shall beat sex slaves, work slaves, and wives. Beat that, them. Yep. Quran chapter four, verse 34. Mm -hmm. Number four. Number four, thou shall have four Muslim uh, male witnesses to prove rape. That's Quran 24. And, and here's what's interesting. Yeah, this wow. is why nobody, men never get convicted of rape in, in yes. the Middle East because the law says, the Quran says, oh, there has to be, because a woman's, mm testimony has no weight over there mm -hmm. so it, it takes four men to witness the rape say oh yeah i was there or what? some type of accusations just just like uh, there's a movie called uh the stoning of sarai am watch that movie jim caviezel plays uh the actor the reporter on in that movie that's a movie that you should all watch and it talks it gives you an idea how they uh they treat women yeah. And, so, and and just even a small accusation can mean death to a yeah. woman. Can you imagine it, stoning? You think a rapist is going to bring witnesses as he's mm -hmm. raping a woman? Uh, so, of but in the, not. in the Quran, oh, but, you, there has to be four male witnesses because the woman's word means mm -hmm. nothing. Point mm -hmm. number five: uh, Thou shalt kill those who insult Islam or Muhammad, and that you find that in Quran thirty-three. Uh, number six: Thou shalt crucify and amputate non-Muslims. That's in the Quran, chapter 8. Uh, number 7, thou shalt kill non-Muslims to guarantee receiving 72 virgins in heaven. That You can find that in Quran, number 9. Uh, number 8, thou shalt kill anyone who leaves Islam. That's in the Quran, chapter 2, paragraph 217. Number 9, thou shalt behead non-Muslims. You can find that in Quran, chapter 8, 12, uh, 47, and 4. Number 10, thou shalt kill and be killed for Allah. That's in, in the Quran, chapter 9, verse 5. Uh, number 11, thou shalt terrorize non-Muslims. You can find that in Quran, chapter 8, 12, and uh, chapter 8 and 60. 12, thou shalt steal and rob from non-Muslims. That's in the Quran, chapter 8. It's called the spoils of war. Uh, number 13, thou shalt lie to strengthen Islam. Uh, uh, 
in, found that in, in the Quran, chapter 3, verse 28, and 16, chapter, chapter 16, uh, 106. That's called taqiyah. Mm -hmm. Number 14, thou shalt fight non-Muslims even if you don't want to. That's in the Quran, chapter 2, verse 216. Two um, number 15, thou shalt not take non-Muslims as friends. You find that in Quran, chapter 5, uh, verse 51. Number 16, thou shalt call non-Muslims pigs and apes. That's in the Quran, chapter 5, verse 60. Quran, chapter 7, 166. Quran, chapter 16, verse 106. Number 17, thou shalt treat non-Muslims as the vilest creatures deserving no mercy. Find that in the Quran, chapter 98, verse 6. Number 18, thou shalt treat non-Muslims as sworn enemies. That's in the Quran, chapter 4, verse 101. Uh, number 19, thou shalt kill non-Muslims for not converting to Islam. Uh, you can find that in Quran, chapter 9, verse 29. And number 20, thou shalt ex extort, extort non-Muslims to keep Islam strong. That's in the Quran, chapter 9, verse 29. So you tell me if that's a prophet of God. Well, we know one thing. Everything listed above, all that violates the American Constitution. And the Holy Bible. And the Holy Bible. And natural yeah. law. Everything is forced. And human it's our way or no And no, human no decency. Way. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Especially for the women. <laughs> let me let me get, let me tell you the greatest uh, apologist against Islam. His name's Father Zachariah Botros. Mm -hmm. He is the greatest mm -hmm. uh, Christian apologist uh, against Islam. And I've had him on my radio show years ago. And you've been on this show. And I've been on the show as well. Here's what he said a few years. I'm going to give you five bullets and we'll wrap it up. He says, number one, Muhammad was not a prophet. He was nasty and violent. Number two, Father, <laughs> Father Botro says, the Quran has been changed many times. It's not the word of God. Number three, the angel that appeared to Muhammad was not the angel Gabriel who appeared to Mary, Zechariah, and Daniel. His words were peaceful. The angel that came to Muhammad spoke words of violence. Number four, the doctrines of Islam do not lead to holiness. And number five, the God of Islam, this is what Father Zachariah Botro says, is Satan. Wow. Well, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. We we're are, done. Yeah, it was good to be back home in the States. Yes. You know, we're blessed to be back. Our and, Lady of Fatima, uh, yes, pray for us. Pray for us. And just uh, we'll see pray you your rosary. We need lots of prayers out there. Shoot your arrows. Exactly. Shoot your arrows. And by the way, there's there's rosary rallies all around the country yep. with uh, with uh, American East Fatima. We're having a rosary rally here in Queen Creek. Me and my wife are leading it tomorrow. So uh, if you want to join us tomorrow in front of the Queen Creek Library from 12 noon to 1.30 p.m., bring your rosaries. Bring yeah. Jesus in your heart, heart and be in a state of grace. We'll see you next time. The next time, family.